On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we have an absolutely jam-packed episode. We are recapping NCAA football from last week games like Texas versus LSU. We're also looking ahead for this week's match of games where we are previewing such barn burners as Kentucky versus Florida. So stay tuned for that. And then we are also recapping the wild week of week number one in the NFL, Saints versus the Texans led off the way, but we got plenty of action. Giants recap, Broncos recap. Oh, and Adam Schefter, you're on our done list. Do the right thing. Quote us. Give us credit. Double down, Trent. We called it AB to the Patriots. Oh, and until you do, you're officially banned from the show. So stick around for episode 48 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double down, Trent. Let's go. This is Double Down Trent. Number six, LSU comes rolling in to take on ninth-ranked Texas. Over the middle, complete to Jefferson. First down on his way, and that might be the knockout punch. What a performance by Joe Burrow and by that man, Sam Ellinger. Final score from Austin, LSU 45, Texas 38. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, and once again, as always, I am joined by the model Aaron. Air, you came back a little bit, so how are you feeling right now? I'm back, baby. I am so <laughs> back. I am energized. I'm ready to just keep on moving. Things are looking up for once. I like it. Yeah, you had a good week. Uh, you know, it was just minutes away from me running away with this competition after only three measly weeks. But alas, <laughs> here we are. Uh, it was some great games, though, man. It's some really good football. And I guess that's all we can really ask for right now, right? It's college football at its finest. You know that there's going to be a bunch of games that get flipped last minute uh, from covered to not covering the spread. Uh, definitely some good competition, a lot to think about in terms of features and Heisman, some pretty good performances this past weekend. I have way more respect for, uh, Texas's quarterback Ellinger Ellinger. Yeah. Than I did in the past. Um, or maybe I have less respect for LSU's defense, but at any rate, LSU covered Texas lost a and M covered life is good. My friend. Hey, before we spoil the episode and we'll get into these things in detail. Okay. Let's go over some housekeeping. Let's remind the listeners where they can find us and where they can play along with the contest. Okay, so our typical plugs, uh, you can find the podcast on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, wherever the heck you get your podcasts. We love reviews. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other folks find the show. Give us a good rating or don't rate us at all. We're also on Twitter. We do social media, Double Down Corp, and we're on Instagram at Double Down Trent. Or like you guys know, we have a website. Come check out DoubleDownTrent.com. Make your picks. You go to the Man versus Model tab and join in this competition. Yep, and those are the best ways to play along. Thank you to all the listeners who uh, have been listening and playing along and submitting their picks. Uh, got a lot of action here coming up, but let's uh, let's look back. So as you said, we had some really great games. Uh, I think it was highlighted by the LSU-Texas game. That was awesome. Uh, before we jump into the nitty-gritties of that and go over the standings and go over all the results of the games, I do want to say, as you mentioned, I think there is a, a new contender in the Heisman watch, and I think you are going to 
expect me to talk some shit there maybe, but nope. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow looked really good at the LSU quarterback and he really carved up Texas. He's been amazing. And they've implemented a new pass happy offense. That's really started clicking early in the season. I just wanted to give you a couple Heisman odds that I've come across both relating back to the Heisman's that Heisman candidates we've picked okay. as well as touching on Burrow. So you, you ready for this? Let's hear it. So if you remember, you had taken Etienne, the running back for Clemson. I think he was right around plus 3000 Yep. and he is now currently at plus 2000. So those odds have really moved in your favor. So good job by you. I had taken Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for Oklahoma, at plus a thousand. He has now moved down to plus seven hundred or plus eight hundred, depending on where you look. So good job by me. His performances seem to be trending him in the right direction. But the biggest jump out of anyone might be this quarterback from LSU, Burrow. I think when the season opened, he was anywhere from around plus five thousand. He has now moved in some places to plus 1800 or even in Vegas at plus 300. Wow. So insanely, he is up there right next to Lawrence. Uh, Tua. Tua, like he is just wow. right there with them. So we'll see if that performance continues, but that that's been a huge, uh, increase from him. Yeah, that's wild. Um, so the, the games were really good. Now I only had one loss entering this week's action, these games flipped. There's two of them that literally changed win losses in terms of the spread within the last minute of both of these games. I want to just tell you, I went up to my rooftop deck here in my apartment building, <laughs> went to grill out some food with my fiance. It was a lovely evening. You gorgeous out. Got a little bottle of wine. I'm about to celebrate another four in one week. Did you do Home Depot and Bed Bath and Beyond earlier I, in the day? I don't know if we'll have enough time. It's a little Saturday there. I fire up my phone just to confirm that I went four and one. And what do I see? I lost two games in the last fucking minute. Utter carnage, utter carnage. So let's go through the games and tell the listeners kind of where things have landed. So, yeah, so you ended up two, two and three for the week. I ended up with four and one Cincinnati just uh, for the first game. Uh, Ohio State was favored minus 17 Cincinnati plus 17. Wow, Ohio State just came out and blew them out. I would really like to say Cincinnati just missed the cover there, but it was not close. Just slightly. That I'll tell you what, Justin Fields looks legit too, so he he's got to be in the running for Heisman as well. Yep. So the second game that we had, Colorado was the underdog plus four, Nebraska minus four. I had taken Colorado. That ended up winning. Nice upset. Huge come from behind, especially yep. uh, being shut out in the first half. Uh, you had taken Nebraska minus four. Close miss by you. That was um, one of the games that fall. flipped. Yep. That's that right. Uh, next one, Michigan. Huge favor over Army. Michigan was a 23 point, 23 and a half point favorite. This game was close the whole way, and Michigan just eked out a win in overtime. I know we uh, both picked Army here, so we both got the win, but. Uh, I'm watching this game and I like chaos early in the season. Also the troops. Good job by army. I was hoping they would win. I can't believe Michigan snuck that victory out. I would have loved to have them lost. Uh, I texted you. I was down on Michigan. I still am down on Michigan. They got so fucking lucky. I, I actually think they should drop in the poll uh, because they barely eked out this win. Yeah, I think Harbaugh has to get the offense clicking. I know they have a new coordinator in Josh Gaddis. I don't actually don't know where he's coming from, but he's supposed to come in to be the savior. Shea Patterson, the senior QB, should, Sucks. you know, yeah, you think that he would be playing better. He hasn't played that well. To me, Army is kind of a an exception just because of their style. It's yeah. not going to be something that Michigan sees 
the rest of the year. So I would like to think Michigan can pull it together. They'll have a huge test coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. They, they, they go against Wisconsin, which will likely be one of the games we pick. Yeah, that'll be some good Big Ten action. All right, let's talk about this next game. because This was the big one. This is the entertaining one. Yep. So this was uh, Texas was home as an underdog plus four and a half playing LSU. I had taken LSU minus four and a half. You had taken Texas plus four and a half. It worked out for me. Yeah. Another game that flipped in the last minute. Uh, I got a few thoughts here. First of all, I know it's only their first loss, but Texas, Jesus Christ, they got to be done because I know it's only one loss, but they're coming out of a uh, conference where they've got Oklahoma. So they have to now beat Oklahoma. Hope that Oklahoma probably gets another loss somewhere in order for them to even have a shot at the playoff. But their defense just got absolutely shredded. And I know we've talked about Joe Burrow in the beginning here, but if you have any like realistic hopes of being a playoff team, you can't put up a defensive performance like that. I mean, that was like classic Big 12 defense. Like they just did nothing. Yeah, the thing that really shocked me was on the other side of the ball with LSU's defense. I really yeah. felt like the Texas offense showed up. Ellinger moved them at will. And a lot of it was through his, you know, legs and arm of just kind of being scrappy and making plays. I was more surprised on that spectrum. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. Ellinger's a really good quarterback. I think LSU just got to thank, thank their lucky stars and stripes that they got there with a win and just got out of town. I mean, they're still alive. Obviously, they can win the SEC. They've got a chance to give Alabama a run. So as far as they're concerned, they just need to forget that game. It's a W in the books. Now they got to focus on improving that defense and see what happens next. Uh, but I think Texas is done. See you later. Week, week two, they're already out. Don't worry. They'll rear their ugly heads again as we pick games <laughs> in the future. I like bringing them back. All right. The last game they had Clemson, Texas A&M, another one of the great games uh, for the weekend, although it wasn't very close. Clemson was an 18 and a half point favorite. Lucky for me, Texas A&M ended up being sneaky, getting a touchdown in one of their last drives, if not their last drive and doing a backdoor cover. Thank goodness. Unfucking believable. I thought that game was wrapped. That was one of the ones I was talking about. I literally looked down and I was like, are you, you've got to be shitting me. That's just, that's a bad job. But listen, Clemson looks how we thought they would look. I, I mean, their offense hasn't been clicking quite how we thought. And especially uh, with Trevor Lawrence, I think he's still kind of, you know, feeling things out this year, but a win is a win. They beat a top 15 team. They beat an sec team. So put that on their resume. I mean, everything right now is, is shaping up to be, you know, another showdown with Clemson in the title game. It's looking that way for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's jump to listener standings and tell folks where the heck they're at. You can also find these standings on our website, doubledowntrent.com. We have 13 listeners participating right now in first place. With the, <laughs> the man is there. Eight and four, 67% accuracy, still with a pretty good lead. Yeah. How, so how's it feel? It feels great. And listen, I had a down week. Okay. But down weeks, only make you stronger. I am still in first place. I missed two games in the last minute. So just put that little feather in your cap, folks. You're going to want to ride with my picks, baby. And not too far behind, tied for second. We have three listeners. We have Jojo, Luann, and Shepdog. Shepdog is a new listener. Shout out to you. Kudos for joining. Um, Jojo and Luann are both six and four for 60% accuracy. Shepdog is three and two for 60% accuracy. Uh, tied for fifth, we have three listeners. Uh, well, two listeners and me. I, we are all six and six, 50% accuracy. We have Lenny, the legend, and the model. I am coming, baby. I'm coming fast and I'm coming strong. Do not look behind you. I'll tell you that. In eighth place, we have Little Model, who had a fantastic week. He went five and seven for 42% accuracy. AK slumped. I think she went 0 and five. 
She is now four and six with 40, 40% accuracy. Uh, in 10th place, we have a tie dumb man, 47 Mrs. Model and Colorado Rocky all at 30, uh, 33% accuracy, Colorado Rocky, uh, at 30% accuracy. So sorry, that's 12th. And then in last place, 13th, we have Deke buff two and 10. Wow. 17% accuracy there. Good luck. Two and 10. Hey, a lot of games left to pick. So let's look ahead to the games that we've got this week. Now I do want to give a quick caveat. Like, you know, we are recording on a Tuesday, so it's a little early in the week, but nonetheless, we have our picks and you're going to want to hear them. Okay. Um, not a great slate of games this week. I had to kind of be a little choosy about which ones I brought in. It wasn't, uh, super obvious to me. The first game I'm going with just seemed like a fun one. So Washington, uh, pack 12 team is favored their home. They're favored by 21 points against a feisty Hawaii team. Who are you taking Washington minus 21 or Hawaii plus 21? So I'm always a little bit down on Washington. It's been a historical, just kind of downward trend for me with Washington. I know they're pretty good. I know they've got good coaching. I just, I, I'm on Hawaii, man. I'm on Hawaii. We picked them earlier in the season during what they called week zero. 21 points is a lot, especially for a team that we know can put up a lot of points. Give me that high flying offense and 21 points. Take it to the bank. Yep. And I'm right there alongside with you. Uh, Hawaii, I don't think is going to win this game, but I think Hawaii can score against the best of them. Now they just played another PAC 12 team, Oregon state and did, uh, beat Oregon state. So Washington is going to be a much different foe than Oregon state. Uh, but hopefully they can keep this close, score a bunch of points and, uh, cover this spread. All right. Our next game that we have is maybe one of the best of the weekend. Iowa state is home against their in-state rival, Iowa. Iowa state is the underdog plus one and a half Iowa, the away team minus one and a half. Who are you taking? This is always interesting. I know we said there's not great games and while Iowa is, uh, I believe the rank number 20, anytime you got in-state rivals, it's always interesting here. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know much about these teams. I haven't seen them play at all. Uh, it's something about their style. It's just, this is to me like old school kind of, big 10 ish football where it's just kind of grind it out, uh, and, and kind of battling out. Uh, I am just going to take the home team with the points here. Uh, a rivalry game. Give me Iowa state plus the points. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> oh, you disagree. I am going the exact opposite. I am taking in a way Iowa team favored by one and a half. I love Iowa. I have them in a futures bet. I like Kirk Ferentz as a, as a head coach. I like that their quarterback is a senior in Stanley and I am down on Iowa state. If you tell me that you barely squeak by a Northern Iowa, I think they did it in overtime too, to get a win. I'm not buying it. I'm taking Iowa here as a better team and I hope they're going to cover. All right. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But how dare you speak badly about the Northern Iowa team? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I shouldn't hold against them. <laughs> All right. Our next game that we have is in the sec. Kentucky is home against Florida. Kentucky is the underdog plus eight and a half. Florida is visiting. Florida is the favorite minus eight and a half. Who, who are you going with here Kentucky or Florida? Listen, we've talked about the Florida Gators <laughs> at length on this podcast. We talked about the transfers. We talked about the shit that's going down their week one performance against Miami. 
I was down, down, down. Having said that, oh, having said that, <laughs> I can't see a way that that fucking Kentucky even covers and stays in this game. They don't have Benny Snell anymore. Uh, I just I, I can't see how they hang with them. I think Florida's in, in a prime spot here for a big bounce back game. It pains me to my core, but I got to take the Gators. All right. I like that pick a lot. I agree. I'm taking Florida minus eight and a half. If my memory is correct, uh, Kentucky's quarterback, I think it's Wilson, is injured and he's out the rest of the year. So to me, this is just going to be a, a game that Florida wins and, and wins big. I like them covering eight and a half here. Okay. All right. Our, all right. Our next game, we go to the ACC. Syracuse is home against Clemson. Folks have been talking all offseason that they think this is going to be Clemson's biggest challenge in the ACC. Man, it's not looking like it's not going to even be close. Are you taking Syracuse plus 26 or Clemson minus 26? Yeah, they're saying this is going to be the big game. And I can kind of see why, I guess. I mean, last year, uh, you know, Syracuse gave Clemson a run for their money. I thought they were going to beat them. So they they lost to, to Clemson 27-23 last year. I thought it was going to be a better game, but, uh, or, you know, I thought Syracuse had a chance to win that one this year though. Syracuse just looks terrible. And I know I picked Clemson last week to cover a big spread. This one's even bigger. I'm just, I don't see how Syracuse can, can even hang with Clemson at this point. And I actually think Clemson's got, uh, you know, a little bit of a point to prove here. They, they obviously beat Texas A&M. It's a good win, but I think they wanted to look a little bit more impressive in that game. I know that kind of like points and style kind of, you know, matters in, in college football. I just don't see how this is close. I know it's in the dome, but 26 points, even that I think Clemson covers. I just don't see a way that Syracuse even can hang close. Yep. I'm on board and I totally agree with you. This is a Syracuse team that had just given up 63 points to Maryland. Who's I mean, now they got ranked thrashed by Maryland. Absolutely thrashed. So I'm, I agree with you. I'm taking Clemson minus 26. That's a scary amount of points, but I think they're going to cover. Yeah, and I actually think this is a big bounce back game for my boy, Travis Etienne. I think he's going to have a really big game on Saturday. So watch out for that one. And you got to expect Trevor Lawrence to wake up. Their wide receivers are just way too talented for him to not put up some big numbers. This feels like a prime opportunity. I hope you just reverse jinxed uh, Etienne <laughs> to a, a bad game. All right. Our last game that we have uh, is actually kind of an interesting one. Central Florida is home. They're playing Stanford. Central Florida is favored by seven points. Uh, Stanford, the underdog, plus seven. Who are you taking? Yeah, Stanford, uh, they gave me a miracle cover a couple weeks ago. A miracle cover. How dare they? How dare they? You know, they didn't look good. They actually got really shut down by Northwestern. Having said that again, give me the trees. Give me the trees. The cover, baby. The Cardinals, plus seven. Wow. Uh, I don't like that pick at all. I'm going the exact opposite. I'm taking UCF minus seven. So uh, Stanford, you know, KJ Costello has been injured. They played uh, a backup quarterback last last week against against USC and got absolutely torched by USC's backup freshman quarterback for 45 points. I'm expecting a little more of the same. I actually saw a headline this past weekend that UCF's coach, I think it's Josh Heupel, ended up choosing to play a different quarterback than who started week one. So he ended up playing a different guy. I don't know what that means going forward, but to me it means they have options and they're both dangerous. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like playing two quarterbacks because if you have two, you don't have one. That's the expression. 
but I like UCF in this game. I think they're going to uh, hopefully cover seven, even though uh, Stanford is a pretty good Pac-12 team. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, KJ Costello, you know, he's got, he's been cleared. Uh, I got an eye on, on UCF too. So it looks like Daryl Mack Jr. is coming back for UCF, or at least he's been cleared. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, you know, I just, I, I don't expect this game to go the way a lot of people think it goes. I think it's going to be a really close, uh, close game, high scoring, but close. I'm taking the points. So I like the trees, man. All right. You and I were texting last night. My intent was to bring you the model and actually come uh, with some data driven and actually uh, give you some more stuff to talk about and some stuff to munch on. Unfortunately, I ran my head against the wall way too many times last night and just couldn't get my script up and running. I'm hoping that changes next week. It should change next week. The model's going to be in full bore. We're going to be talking bets I'm making and what I like for these picks. So uh, get ready, my friend, because this is the top of your throne and you're going to be quickly cast aside. Listen, okay, and I'm going to quote the great, infamous Omar Little. If you come at the king, you best not miss. I'm at the top of the leaderboard, boys and girls, and I've got a hot picks. I missed two games in the last second last week. You're going to want to ride the man, especially when I've got this advantage when the model does not have his armor in the model. The, the, ar- the armor's coming. Before we go, one last thing to call out. You and I debated over the offseason how Iowa was going to do against four opponents, and we had come up with a bet between just ourselves. That's right. We had given odds that Iowa needed to win in four games, Rutgers, Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois, for plus 250 payoff. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to report back. Iowa has played and beat Rutgers 30 to nothing. So we are one down, three more to go before I get that money, baby. Listen, and I know we talked about it before, and you got Iowa to win the the Big Ten West, but you are now— bragging about beating Rutgers, something <laughs> that nobody in the history of college football has ever done. But I got to hand it to you, you know, like you said, it's one of four. So just a check off the list, but just tempered the expectations, my friend. You cannot get too excited about a fucking win over Rutgers. I just need any momentum I can get right now. That's true. Now I hear that. Well, you got the model coming next week, so you can look forward to that one. Uh, we're going to see how we do. This is, a, this is a swing week for us, okay, because – it could go either way for us. So do you want to give the listeners what we're doing in the next segment? Yeah. So we uh, we introduced and did picks for the NFL pickums last week. Uh, you, myself, and Coulter, we made two picks. So we've got that segment coming up for week two in the NFL. So stick around for that. And that is our man versus model for week number three. downfield and he connects deandre hopkins has the texans in business timeouts 43 seconds remain here comes pressure off the edge it's von bell he gets rid of it down he did it he did it he did it kenny stills welcome to the texans what drama in new orleans deshaun watson Breeze to the outside midfield here. Remember, they have the one timeout as he gets it for 11 yards here to Michael Thomas. He's checking it. Breeze sees it. Here we go. Clock counting down. Drives it over the middle. They do have the timeout, and he gets it to the 40 to 10 game. How far the safeties are back? They're 25 yards back. They only need seven yards. 58-yard attempt for the 
just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. All right. Welcome to our second segment of the episode. Just to recap for our listeners, we are picking NFL picks this year. We are in a picks league. We're also doing a special segment where we make two picks a week here. So it's week one in the books. We're looking ahead at week two. A lot happened this weekend, boys. But Mr. Model, why don't you recap where we all stood? First of all, actually, let me back up. Let me back up. Welcome to the episode. Coulter, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me again. I'm excited to talk about uh, week two. Yeah, I mean, a lot happened. Uh, we made our picks. So, Model, if you would be so kind as to tell the listeners how we fared. Yep. So after week one, I am just ashamed and <laughs> slightly afraid to say that Ryan, the man, is in the lead at two points, two and one. Uh, Coulter and I are both, uh, tied for second or tied for last. We both went one and one last week. Now, uh, just to quickly recap the games and, and remind listeners why you have two points and we yep. only have one. So each week we're picking two games. One is just a regular game. One is our key game. If you get the key game, right, you get two points. So for, for Ryan, you ended up picking New Jersey minus two and a half over Balt, uh, Buffalo. You lost that one, but you got your key game. Correct. You picked Baltimore minus six and a half over Miami. Um, so you won that one. Listen, my friend, I love the state of New Jersey as much as you do, but it's the New York jets, even though they play in New Jersey, I'll let this one slide. (laughs) (laughs) I I like how how Aaron just kept going with the New Jersey. He didn't even try to correct himself. I mean, they play there, they play in New Jersey, so I can see where you're coming from. I think you're looking at a map (laughs) to me. You're splitting hairs at this point. So don't don't even give me that lip. Uh, Coulter, uh, you went one to one. You got your non-key pick correct. You had Indianapolis plus six and a half, barely covering barely. over the LA Chiller Chargers. You, uh, that one hurt because I had gone opposite on you there. Uh, you and know, then you're, go ahead. It's so funny because I barely covered on my one pick. I lost my two point bet, and then I lost what would have been my third pick, the Lions. So I <laughs> technically was almost close to being zero and three of my best bets, but I went ten and six overall. It's a good week. Good job by you. Yeah. So your second pick was incorrect. Your key pick, you had taken the Saints minus six and a half uh, against Houston. And that did not come through for you, That which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Correct. What a game. We're going to cover that one. And then how did you do, Mr. Model? Who'd you pick? And then I also went uh, one and one. So my non-key pick came through. I had taken Kansas City minus three and a half at Jacksonville. They covered like nobody's business, not even sweating it. That was great. My key pick, to go, though, did not go very well. My Denver Broncos uh, plus a half point did not show up. They got rolled by the Oakland Raiders, and I lost my key pick. So, Ryan, you are in the lead with two points. We are both in second at one. Listen, when you're hot, you're hot, okay? And my key pick delivered. So that's all that matters here. Now, my big takeaway is I think in week one, we may have overthought ourselves. Like, some of these games, in hindsight, obviously, is twenty twenty, but like the Kansas city, we should have had that be a, a key pick. Like some of these, t- these games seemed really fucking obvious to us, but Hey, that's, that's gambling. I'd like to make a public service announcement just on the top of the bat here for the, <laughs> for, the pub, for the public. Speaking of overthinking your picks, I switched off of Baltimore who I was on all week because I had Lamar Jackson in fantasy and Ravens defense in fantasy. The public service announcement is this, and it's really simple. I wrote this down. Do not compromise bets with fantasy decisions. Yeah, Simple. that's a great it's rule, man. It should be stamped on my arm. I can't <laughs> believe I was so dumb to do that. Uh, 
after he went over it on the podcast and everything too, and I had it all week. And then on Sunday morning, as you told me, don't flip flop. I ended up flip flopping four picks. So luckily, I was two and two with my flip flops, and it was all a wash. But is man. this the beginning of some kind of like memento esque trend by you, where you start tattooing your gambling mottos on your arm? <laughs> gambling manifestos. Christopher Nolan's looking for a new project. Yeah. I can't wait to check in with Coulter in the future to see what other game he flip-flops on to see if I can get some good picks out of this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a world-renowned flip-flopper, but I'm, I'm this week I'm going to just do it straight because that was definitely too painful. The early games I was pulling my hair out of, and and then, you know, luckily I ended up breaking even by the end of it all. Yeah, and so 10 and 6 overall, I was above average. Maybe yeah, and, and in our picks away. league, we all did really well, but we're not uh, going to go over that because obviously listeners are not in that league, but we all did pretty well in our picks league. Um, but we've got a couple of games we want to talk about. Uh, that were coming to the you know best game of the week and worst game of the week. Uh, but we gotta talk first about our teams. And we all know I'm a Giants fan. That was bad. Coulter, you're a Broncos fan. Aaron, I believe you are. You're a Colorado guy. I feel like you're gonna be kind of in for the Broncos. Boy, it didn't look good for our teams, huh? Not one bit. We're gonna be drafting in the top five again. Let me just say that right <laughs> right off the front here. I think it's- the Giants will too, man. It's going to be a bad year. Vangio looked lost as a coach. I'm I'm a huge coaching critic, as you guys have probably picked up on by now. Like he looked like he was in the middle of two guys, not looking, knowing what he was doing, raising his arms at sometimes. He had it, you know, bent over sometimes. He just looked confused, befuddled. John Gruden completely outcoached him. The opening drive was really well called by them, and that was just a blueprint to how to beat this defense throughout the year. If you want to beat Denver, quick, short passes, accurate get it out of the quarterback's hands and just let him fly. And Carr executed that perfectly. We made him look like Tom Brady. It was just dreadful. And on that car note, can you believe that he was 22 for 26 for 259 yards? That's a phenomenal he, stat line. He almost pulled up the Phil Simms Super Bowl line. I yeah. mentioned that last night. He was very close and he looked like it. He looked like a, an MVP candidate. I hate to say that, but he really did. And guess what? If he beats Kansas City this week, Ooh, Derek baby. Carr, the MVP odds. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what those were at the beginning of the year. Uh, I mean, he's got to be in consideration if he's 2-0 and at the, after two weeks. I mean, it's yeah. throwing it out there. So I got a couple of thoughts on this, too, especially with Vic Bangio, because, you know, he was a lifetime defensive coordinator. He's been in the NFL for 30-plus years, and this is his first head coaching job. And I it have looked a theory, like it. Yeah, but I have a theory, too, that a lot of guys are just better off as coordinators. We've seen it with, like, Norv Turner. We've seen it with a lot of guys in the past that just are either better at being an offensive or a defensive coordinator. Jack Del Rio is a good example, too. He was an old coach at the Raiders. Some of these guys just don't know – how to take off the hat of the coordinator and focus on being the coach of a whole team. I think we saw that with Vangio. I mean, there's opportunities for him where he looked lost. He didn't know when to call some timeouts. It was just very bizarre to me. Aaron would know this reference well, being a Colorado guy. Uh, Josh McDaniels is another coordinator who tried being a head coach. And for those of you who forget, brought the Broncos to their knees and had us picking second <laughs> overall. And yeah. the worst season as a franchise at 4-12 in 2010. He yeah. is an awful head coach. And yeah, I agree though. That's a good point. And Vangio looks like he is, I hate to jump the gun early on this one, but I'm on the, the boat of that. He probably should be a coordinator and he's not meant to be a head coach. He didn't look like a head coach last night at all. I mean, we'll see what happens. You guys we'll are really see. going for the week one overreaction that I sense. <laughs> well, well Colter, how do you feel about your Broncos, on Monday night football? It's yeah. When you see it like that, it's pretty bad. It was a bad spot, which I'm willing to admit. And, uh, playing in the black hole final home opener for them Monday night football, their crowd was jacked and uh, 
it was a bad spot for Denver to be in. And everybody thought the Broncos were going to win. It was 78% of bets were on the Broncos, most bet team of the week. Everybody thought we were going to cream them. Uh, the Antonio Brown saga didn't help that situation at all. But when push comes to shove, bad spot or a good spot, whether you're playing a 10-20 or 4-20 on Sunday, there's no excuses. When you get outplayed like that, you're just the worst team. And we were the worst team last night, and I think we're the worst team in the AFC West. So that was my takeaway, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it could be a long year for the Broncos. I mean, Flacco didn't look good, but I think we didn't expect much from him. Or did you? He looked like Jay Cutler. That's what I texted my buddy. He looked looked disinterested and checked out at times, unfortunately. I really hated to see that and make that comparison. But, yeah, he didn't look like he had the answers. Uh, The receivers looked good. And uh, if we can get the running game going, the offense could be intriguing. Uh, I hated that tight end draw in the first player, the tight end end around. What a – jerk off that was i mean talk about an, e- an ego stroke yeah the, there was just so many things in that game uh coaching wise that i disliked and they no pass rush for the broncos it, it's gonna be a long year i think yeah so that's the more concerning thing to me is the defense looked like shit i mean the antonio brown less raiders kind of carved you guys up that that would be my concern and they have, they're missing two starting guards and there was we literally had no sacks and i don't think i had a single quarterback pressure on car that is really alarming and again as i said what a blueprint to beat this defense. If you're afraid to play Vic Banjo and Von Miller as all the podcasts out there were in the preseason saying how good this was going to be, well, the Raiders just gave you a really simple recipe how to just defuse that time bomb real quickly. It's just quick, accurate passes out of the gun. Von won't even touch your quarterback. He, he, he's not Superman. He can't get there in, in a second, you know? Well, hey, listen, speaking of terrible defenses, <laughs> yeah, the New York football giants, holy fuck, holy shit. They got so carved up. Dak Prescott had a perfect rating, four touchdown passes. I mean, he had so much time back there. He could have fucking just like cooked up a gourmet meal and then threw the ball downfield. It just, it was unfucking believable. And what made it even worse for me is that the Giants gave me a glimmer of hope to start the game. They drove the ball right down the field. Right I'm like, down the field on the Dallas defense. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Maybe Eli got a little pep in his step this last year. He's got something to prove. The offense is clicking. Saquon breaks like a 60 yard run. And then the wheels come flying, flying, flying off. I j- <sighs> It's a young defense. They picked on the kid Baker from Georgia and, you know, they need obviously a lot of corner help and safety help. And it's going to be a long year for them in the secondary. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, just thought the Giants, it's the Giants. So they'll play defense. But it's like, really, this is one of the least talented units in the league. And, you know, Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson were probably the biggest quarterback takeaways from the week. But let's be honest, our two defenses gave up the other best quarterback performances to Dak Prep. Dak Prescott and Derek Carr. Those were the probably the four best quarterbacks last week, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a long year. My last thing, I'm not going to get into it too much with the Giants because it's only going to make me upset. Uh, Saquon Barkley. How the fuck do you give Saquon Barkley only 11 carries the entire game? It just blows my mind. And you don't need it with those 11 carries. You got 120 yards. So give him the ball. Might be a good idea. You know what it was? I think... Pat Shermer was in such close proximity to Jason Garrett that there was some sort of uh, diffusion of minds. And so he got Garrett. Like that's something Garrett would have done, you know, give Zeke Elliott 11 carries in a game that big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Who Garrett's got to be, thing. he's got to be a little nervous knowing that he's got a fucking wonderkin and Kellen Moore calling the plays for that offense. Because if I'm Jerry Jones and I see what's happening with this offense now, I don't care how you finish at this season. I'm firing Jason Garrett and I'm handing over the keys to Kellen Moore and letting him run with this young offense because man, they looked fucking really good. And obviously it's easy when you've got the best offensive line in football. That's all I got to say about that though. Okay. Now let's yeah. go to two more entertaining games of the day. I think two actually, I guess, good games in in ways you could call it. This is a, this is the thin red line of where good and bad. It's yeah, very very thin because one game was decided by two points and one game was decided by zero points. And you might wonder, well, how was the game by zero points not a good football game? Well, yeah. it was the worst game of the week, and that was the tie out in Glendale, Arizona. Brutal. So let's talk about that game because we went into it saying how how can the Lions possibly lose this game? You got. Kyler Murray, you got Cliff Kingsbury, a whole new offense. And for about three quarters, Kyler Murray did not look like he belonged on the field. He was getting passes swatted down. Their offense looked like shit. I mean, the Lions are not really anything special on offense, but they didn't have any problems moving the ball. And then all of a sudden, Kyler comes awake in the fourth quarter. So the game ends in kind of a crazy fashion, a week one tie. But what do you make of this game? You've got the coach not going for it on fourth and one and playing for the tie, which was just an all-time horrible coaching move. Then you've got Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator of 15 years in the NFL, losing to a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach in their debut, up 18, blowing that 18-point lead with a veteran quarterback. Then you have the offensive coordinator in Detroit calling that atrocious timeout on third down that cost them the entire game. They could have run out the clock, and he foolishly calls the timeout. By the way, that's Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator. He called the pass play in the Super Bowl to Ricardo Lockett. So that guy's he still hasn't been doing great things. In case we were, <laughs> were wondering what he's up to, he's, he's blowing games now for the Lions. But in all reality, it's only been 48 hours since week one ended, and I've run out of bad things to say about Matt Patricia. How he still has a job is just beyond me. He should be the odds-on favorite to be first coach fired. A tie in week one to a team that listless. As you said, they were un- just so uninspiring on offense. And yeah, I'll die on this hill. Kyler Murray will never, ever be an all-pro player. And he's, just ne- he's, never- he's not going to be good. This guy is going to be, at very best, he'll be Jameis Winston. And he could even be worse. And we saw what Jameis did this week. I don't think Kyler Murray's good. And the fact that the Lions tied to him in his first game is just pathetic. And I I, I, I can't even, there's nothing else I can say. I mean, if you're Patricia, you really should be ashamed of yourself losing that or tie. tie I, I say lose because you lost it. You, they lost it. They blew an 18 <laughs> point game that they had won. And yeah, they tied technically. They have a tie in the record, but that's a loss to me. That's the biggest loss of the week. Yeah, I'm with you there. Both coaches played for a tie, especially in the end of the game. It, it kind of, I was like, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury, what do you have to lose there? Fucking convert the, or try to convert the play and go for the win. Everyone expected you to lose this game you have nothing to lose week one. You might as well be aggressive and play for the win. Instead with like a minute left in overtime, he punts the ball from like his own 40, 47 yard. Line. Yeah. Like go for it. Go unbelievable. For it. You have Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was looking like Larry Fitzgerald of 2009 out there. He was the fourth best fantasy receiver. He was a machine there in the fourth quarter and in overtime, yep. making all sorts of great plays. He turned back the clock. He had me pumped for Arizona, who, as I'm clearly, I'm all out against Arizona, but I was pulling for them to to win the game because at that point, I figured I already lost the bet. I might as well root for Arizona. And of course, it ended in the worst case. I lost the bet 
Arizona didn't end up winning, even though they turned me into a fan while I was watching, and they tied. I mean, wow. <laughs> just just terrible. And as I mentioned, coaching blunders galore between Kingsbury and Patricia and Bevel. Uh, Stafford is just such a limp quarterback at this point. I mean, what is there to say about the Lions that hasn't been said? Let's just move on. Well, I was going to say, before I move on, I had a, a pure gambler's notion of, and while this game was happening. So the spread was two and a half. Arizona's getting the two and a half points. At the end of the game, they come down, score a touchdown to come within two points. That's right. This game. And I'm yeah. in my head I'm, as a gambler. I'm going, fuck yes. I just covered this spread. Now don't convert. Let's end this game. Arizona loses it by yeah. two and we win the bet. <laughs> I love it. That is uh, pure, pure gambler's mind. Okay, let's move on to a better game, though, which was last night's uh, Saints and Texans game. Uh, kind of the majority of the game played out. I guess the way we'd expect it, I mean, Texans came out and played a little better in the first half than I would have thought in the dome. Uh, but let's just get down to the last minute of that game because it was absolutely gripping. So let's set the scene here. Texans get the ball uh, down a touchdown, down six points with a minute left to go in the game. And Deshaun Watson, who I love, I've got him on one of my fantasy squads. This guy's just a big game player. I didn't think he had a, had it in him to come down and score a touchdown in the first place, let alone the way he did it in two fucking plays. It was unbelievable. I have to say, you know, I think Bill O'Brien's a total boo, but I think Deshaun <laughs> Watson is our best bet this year to dethrone New England because uh, that Chiefs defense is not very good. And we know they can score, but man, they didn't get off to a great start. The defense is bad. Hill's already hurt. And the Patriots have Antonio Brown. I honestly feel like a transcendent player like Deshaun Watson is the only chance we have of seeing New England get stopped in the postseason. And I can see that happening. He's already beat him once in his career. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, just a, got, he's a magical guy. He's meant for those last minute moments. He really yeah. is. And I thought he had the game one, so they, they kicked the field yeah, goal. But then, of course, Drew Brees comes down. And talk about a bonehead move here. And I'm not sure. We can kind of talk this through how much Bill O'Brien has to say about this. But the Saints only need a field goal. And they're playing, and the Texans are playing a prevent defense. So there's about, what, 10 seconds to go in the game, and New Orleans is on their own, like, let's call it 50-yard line. They're playing prevent defense. Like, they're going to go for the touchdown, play off all the receivers. The Saints obviously throw the ball underneath, pick up 8 to 10 yards that they needed, and kick a 58-yard field goal to win it. What the fuck is the tech, are the Texans doing? How do you let them just run that? Everyone with a football brain knows that's what they're going to try and do. They got a timeout left. You know who would never allow that to happen? Bill Belichick. <laughs> exactly. It's just these differences in good coaching that make you go like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know how much you're right. I don't know how much Bill O'Brien deserves to be uh, hooked for that. But I mean, man, just a catastrophe of an ending. I mean, you, you had that game won. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how Houston uh, plays out the rest of the season. Because talk about a gut punch. I mean, as bad as the Broncos' loss was last night on Monday night, at least we knew we were going to lose that game for pretty much the opening drive. Houston was dominating that game just like Detroit was out in Arizona on the road, big lead, blow the lead, then you take it back, and then you blow it again in the last second. They must be incredibly deflated right now. they got to turn it around, and they're hosting the rookie quarterback in Jacksonville. If that kid goes into there and upsets them, that team is just going to start spiraling out of control, I feel like. And you know that's – you know that's what I'm rooting for, Tim. Gardner Minshew, our old friend from last year, Mr. Model. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. All right, so let's look ahead to week two. So just as a caveat to the listeners here, we are recording this on Tuesday night. So it's a little early. The man has got some vacation plans. I'm heading to the beach for a wedding. So I had to force this upon my uh, my co-hosts here. 
Let's make our picks. I'm going to defer to you guys since you guys uh, went one and one last week, even though I technically did as well. Uh, who wants to go first? Mr. Model? I'm in. I want All it. All right. Let's see. Who you got? And the theme this week is just don't second guess. Just yeah. take take who you like, take who's good, and roll with it. I still don't have a model up and running for NFL. That'll be at least another week beyond this one. And then I'll come to you with some data-driven. But my first game, my non-key game, I am taking Green Bay minus two and a half versus Minnesota. So Green Bay is home. I like them. I think they have a underrated defense. And I haven't seen much out of Minnesota yet. They obviously played better last week than I thought against the Falcons. But no matter, I think Aaron Rodgers shows up here and covers two and a half. I especially like getting less than three. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest, the Packers defense shut down Mitch Trubisky. Now they're getting another average quarterback in Kirk Cousins. I like it. Colter, what do you think? I like it, too, because I, you know, Aaron brings up the great point here. It's that the number two and a half is the value because you know that it's going to get bet up to three. And that's when it becomes too pricey because last year, speaking of ties, I don't know if you guys recall this. This is a week two game where these two teams tied. Yep. The Vikings and the Packers. Yeah. So the three point thing kind of worries me. I do like it at two and a half and I do like that green Bay defense. Uh, I had green Bay as my best pick last week. And I switched off it at the last second. I'm all in on this green Bay team. I think they could get to the super bowl. Minnesota did look good at home, but um, I do, I do like Aaron Rodgers with the points at home, the home opener. Give me a green day. Yeah. Vikings play different on the road. Uh, Coulter, who you got? Uh, you know, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing all our non-key games first. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually going to stay with the uh, the Minnesota theme here, and I would have liked this line a little bit more if it was a pick'em, which is what it opened at. But now it's at one point uh, 1.5 for Philly. But I like the Eagles Sunday Night Football going into Atlanta. This is a game where a lot of people think Atlanta has their backs to the wall. I think opposite. This is a classic, classic two teams heading in opposite directions. The Eagles are on their way to starting two and zero. Atlanta is about to be zero and two. Atlanta is about to pick in the top ten of the draft. Matt Ryan is the quarterback that people are going to be talking about in a few weeks, not Drew Brees, who's having the arm issues, who's looking a little rusty, who's not playing up to performance. This is the guy that he's going to be the one that's going to have the huge drop off that people are expecting Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees to have. Uh, and I also just don't like that run defense in Atlanta. Dalvin Cook looked like he was a an NFL running back running against a junior varsity team out there. I like Doug Peterson will find a way to get Darren Sproles, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, the three-headed beast that is that Philadelphia run unit, they will all run wild. I like the line. I, it's a little bit too much. It's too steep at 1.5. I'm still going to take it because I just don't think Atlanta is good at all. And I think Philadelphia has Atlanta's number, quite frankly, too. They've beaten the last three times. Yeah, I was surprised uh, how poorly Atlanta played against the Vikings. I was also surprised how poorly the Eagles started off the game against the Redskins. But obviously, in the second half, they showed what they can do. I, I have that pick as well. I don't love it, but I, uh, I have the Eagles here doing the covering the one and a half. And I have the same thing. I'm on board with Philadelphia minus 1.5. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Okay. You got, you got to love the, all the weapons that they have at their disposal. I was watching yeah. that game and it's like Jackson all of a sudden breaks open for two TDs. And it's like, man, they've got Jackson, Jeffrey, Ertz, Goddard. They have the running backs. It's, and then they have the kid from Stanford who they haven't been unleashed yet. Uh, our Sega Whiteside. I love that kid. I think he's a talented young receiver. And, uh, man, I, I, that Philadelphia offense, once it gets going, we saw what they did against Washington yesterday. They can score quickly. Yeah, they got a lot going for him. Uh, I am doing something that I normally don't like to do. <laughs> I am picking 
a Thursday night game oh, in no, no, against no, no. Division do rivals. Don't do it. Okay. I am picking the Carolina Panthers at home to cover oh, the no. six and a half. It's a big spread. I hate picking Thursday night games. Uh, however, I am just so out on Jameis Winston. I am out on Tampa Bay. I don't know how they're going to fucking score. If they put up that kind of effort at home to the fucking 49ers, I don't know how they can pull it together in Carolina, who, let's be honest, they gave the Rams a run for their money. Christian McCaffrey is a freak of nature. Cam looks healthy. The defense looks pretty strong. And obviously they give a lot of points, but the Rams offense is the Rams offense. Tell me I'm crazy, boys. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I don't have the stats for this, but I will look it up and I'll text you after this. There, there is a historical impact here. Tampa, I think, is like three and one or four and zero oh on Thursday night games covering the spread. They covered the spread against New England a few years ago on Thursday, and they covered the spread against Atlanta a few years ago too. They were big dogs, so that's the one reason why I would hesitate. Everything you laid out otherwise, though, is so perfect. Because think about this: if you have the game and it's even, Carolina is only up by three in the fourth quarter, and Tampa has the ball. Jameis could throw a pick six and you can cover that in an instant. I mean, what a great team to pick against. Jameis is like your best friend in the fourth quarter. If yeah. you're not covering, but your team is winning and they have to try to mount a comeback, he literally could give you the cover while Tampa Bay is on offense. That's like an unheard of situation from a gambling perspective. That's what I'm it's saying. Really, I'm out on Jameis. It's James. great value. It's yeah. great value. What do you think, model? I'm, I'm not on board. I'm taking <laughs> Tampa Bay plus six and a half. Yeah, there is the, the history is worth yeah, The matchup I, is... Yeah, I get the history, but have you guys seen Jameis recently? Ever since he did that, like, curly W, eat his fingers in the pregame speech, he has been awful. So I am out on him. That's why I'm sticking with it. <laughs> he is bad. He's so bad. All right, let's go to our key picks. Model, kick us off. Yep. So I'm uh, I'm riding the team that carried me last week. So last week, the one pick I got correct was Kansas City. I'm riding them again. I'm taking Kansas City minus seven, seven and a half at Oakland. For, I just think it's a scoring thing. And uh, Coulter, you talked about a little bit about this last week. I just don't think Oakland's offense is going to be able to keep up with the juggernaut. That is the Kansas City offense. Seven and a half is a lot of points, but I think they cover that uh, and more. Um, they ended up putting up, what, 24 on the Denver Broncos. So I could see them doing something similar, but I could also see Kansas City putting up Easily 35, 40, if not more. So I'm taking Kansas City's minus seven and a half here. I am on the other side of this one. Uh, call me a recency biased guy, but I, I, the only reason I don't think that they're going to win this game, obviously, but I think they have a, sh a chance to cover this uh, because I think Oakland's defense, they showed me last night that they're a little better than I thought they were, but maybe I'm overthinking this. I don't know. I, I got no read in this game. Um, I'm hanging with the the, uh, the Chiefs on this. To Aaron's point, I think they're going to outscore them. But kind of the Jameis Winston factor here, Kansas City's defense could really F you late in this game. They're so bad. And Derek Carr was superbly accurate on Monday night. So although I'm taking Kansas City, I mean, I do not love the fact that I'm hanging with a defense that could just allow a backdoor touchdown. They could be up 14, and then they allow a TD to Derek Carr with two minutes left to go, and then all of a sudden – Guess who's covering the game? The Raiders. Yeah, but I will. I am going to go Kansas City. I think their offense is way, way too good. Oakland, you have to also factor in play late. They're going to be one less day to prepare for Andy Reid, who has an advantage over most coaching staffs. Normally, he's always going to have an advantage when he has one extra day to prepare. And the quarterback play, although Carr was excellent last night, let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes 
Derek Carr, there's yeah. a significant uh, there's a significant drop off there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I'm slightly hesitant about this is that Gardner Minshew came in and absolutely carved up the Kansas City defense. All I mean, right. you got you got to be afraid that Derek Carr could replicate what he just did against. Yeah. If he could do it against Von Miller, I mean, he could easily do it against that soft, soft Kansas City team. That's my only concern. I don't think it's a bad pick, but hey, all right, you're locked in for the Chiefs. Coulter, who do you have? You know, I this one I struggled with because I, I hate, I hate, hate taking a California team early as a favorite, but I have to stick to my laurels here, and I'm picking against Matt Patricia. Give me the Chargers, two and a half. It's for all the same reasons why I went against them last week. They have a superior coach. Patricia's the worst in the league. Anthony Lynn's more like in the middle half of it. I was probably too hard on him last week. There's no true home games for the Chargers, so they're used to playing on the road. This is no big deal for them going, playing early. Phil Rivers can do this. He beat the Ravens playing early in a playoff game last year. Uh, dead Lions crowd. I mean, of all the teams that lost, there were 15 of them, right? Or 14 because of the tie. 15. Uh 15. I have, you have to think the Lions crowd is probably the softest. I, I mean, they have to be the most disinterested in this team besides maybe the Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins are at home actually again. So besides Miami playing at home again, but this is a, a crowd that hasn't seen their team play. And what they saw on the road last week is a bottom five team that couldn't even beat Arizona and blew a lead. They're going to be dead overall, better roster too, for the Chargers. You're talking about a team that went to the playoffs last year and, and played, you know, the Patriots and, Made it to the final eight. The Lions do not have that kind of roster talent. And I like Phil Rivers over Matt Stafford. Yeah. Not easy. I almost had this as my key pick, and and I may flip-flop eventually, but we we agreed. Don't flip-flop. So uh, I'm not going to change it to my key pick, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I just don't see any way that Detroit can stop the Chargers' offense. I know they're, the, the Lions are at home. Maybe like they got a must-win situation now, even though it's week two. But don't overthink it. This is just a, a better team uh, with a better coach. Some position things like, you know, left tackle kills you. If you don't have a left tackle, it usually does kill you. But Phillip Rivers is just like, we just saw it against uh, Indianapolis. They scored 34 points. He looked like just as good as he's ever been. They don't even have a left tackle. They have the third string tackle in. Their line is decimated. This guy just slings it. He's incredible. And I'm on board. I'm also taking the Chargers minus two and a half here. I like that. All right. Yeah, and the big loser from that Chargers game is Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Austin Eckler showed up. Oh, I mean, he must hate the fact that Phil Rivers can just make anybody. Just yeah. check down Charlie. He is. He's like Tom Brady was with James White check a couple years Charlie. ago. <laughs> he really is. All right, for my key pick, I am also not going to overthink this. I'm going to go based on what I saw last week from these two teams. I am taking, and it fucking pains me to say this, the Dallas Cowboys minus four and a half at Washington. I just witnessed that offense carve up the Giants defense. Granted, I think Washington's defense is a little bit better, but now the spread's only four and a half compared to six and a half with the Giants. I know Dallas is now going on the road. Washington's at home. I just think Washington is not a good team. They blew a massive lead against the Eagles. Dallas's offense looked fucking unbelievable. Their offensive line is crisp. If you've got Zeke, if you've got Dak making those plays, you've got Amari Cooper. I mean, they've got weapons all over the place. And I just think Washington sucks. Darius Geis is hurt. They got the turmoil with Adrian Peterson getting benched as a healthy scratch. I, it seems like things are about to implode in Washington. So I'm taking Dallas. 
I like that pick a lot. I mean, this is a great pick for our pool too, because the, the line is dead at four and a half. Yeah. Shoot up. I think it's already shot up to five and yeah. I would not be surprised if it gets to six. Uh, Dallas playing at Washington is always a tough spot, but I think that's kind of baked into the line, right? You have to factor because it would have been a lot higher if it oh, was yeah. a, yeah. a neutral field or something like that. But um, I don't like Case Keenum playing from behind. And, he, you know, he couldn't even handle playing with a lead on Sunday. So I do like the Dallas pick for all the reasons you laid out. Um, Washington's defense is better, though, than the Giants. That would be the one thing I'd like to point out. But I, yeah. I definitely like Dallas here. The deadline at four and a half is tremendous value. Nothing else to add. I'm taking Dallas <laughs> minus four and a half. <laughs> All right. The model on that one. Good analysis yeah. by us. Okay. <laughs> Not even the data can disprove that pick. So those are our picks. Let's see how we do. Uh, I'd be remiss though to leave before we mention this. Uh, we were watching the Saints Texans game. I was texting with you, Coulter, and it seemed like this pick minus six and a half was locked up in the books. It was done. And then all of a sudden some life comes back into the, the uh, Breeze took, takes the three-point lead, and I'm just thinking, man, if Watson turns the ball over in the Saints, because Sean Payton is the kind of coach, he will go for the TD and to go and win the game by 10. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to win by three. He wants to win by a billion. So I'm thinking, man, Saints going to turn over. I can cover. And sure enough, that would have won me the pool this week. That would have pushed me to 12, and I would have won over the 11. So, man, I was so out on that in the first half. I was like, I cannot believe I overlooked New Orleans. They're a slow starting team, too. I completely missed that in my analysis last week. They're one and nine in the first two weeks of the last two years against the spread and straight up. They, they got their second win last night. Congratulations, Saints. Man, uh, terrible pick because I did not bake that into my prediction, but uh, that it pulled me right back in. I was so back into the game once they were up three. I thought I could cover and somehow win the pool for the week. And we're going to end the episode with the Michael Corleone quote of just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So that's an episode, guys. We'll see everybody next week. We got week three. We got college football. Woo! Let's go. Thanks, boys. Cannot wait. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.